If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.
Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Shalom. Hotep. I welcome you to another hearing of Conscious Vibes Radio. And of course, I am your host, Ramiel Ilbay. Um, before we um, get into the show, what I want to do is we normally do make a couple of um, couple of different announcements. As a reminder, we have the study classes that are going on still in the uh, Sacramento Territory and the uh, Oakland-San Francisco Territory. If you're in the Sacramento area, if you're in the area of that corporation um, and would like to attend the class, the class takes place at 4311 Attua, A-T-T-A-W-A, Attua, A-T-T-A-W-A. It's off of um, the 12th Avenue exit. Uh, by Sacramento City College. They happen bi-weekly. So this coming up Saturday, there will be a class. Um, and they start at 3.30, if I remember correctly, and go till uh, 5.30. You also have the um, live class that goes on every Thursday, and that is actually taking place in Oakland, San Francisco territory, if you are nearby. That takes place at 3100 Telegraph at Samuel Merritt University. That is every Thursday, and it starts at 7 and goes to 9 p.m., we're currently going over um, the Constitution for the United States of America. Uh, we are about halfway through that. This has been and is a two-month study event. After that, we will go into the uh, history of the Morris Divine National, National Movement which will start uh, around the second week of October, and that will be a two-month study also. So I implore you that if you're in these areas, make sure to attend the physical class and not, you know, slouch and slack off and um, just do the live stream because it's convenient. We need to uh, build solidarity um, and the way to do that is by being in each other's space and getting to know each other. If you are not in the area, the live stream has moved over to YouTube uh, because it seems to have more clarity and and actually um, not be as broken up. So you can go to YouTube, the YouTube channel, Moab, M-O-A-B, Moab Bay, B-E-Y, of course, Moab Bay. And you can subscribe to that channel, and that will give you the heads up each time um, the shows are going to air. 
And here and there I'll send out reminders, but that is not something I do every week for the live stream. I figure everyone knows the class is going on um, every Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So um, these are classes you definitely don't want to miss. Now, as we get into today's subject, one of the reasons that we're going to go over this is because I want to get deep into what this Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People um, is dealing with. You know, a lot of times when people are speaking about uh, what uh, President Barack Obama has or hasn't done, the thing that's not highlighted the most is the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People which is by far, um, for those who know the history, the highlight of um, the presidency, and a way for them to have sent a signal signal out to those um, who are aboriginal to this land to take a hold of what we're actually supposed to do. And the way that the document is formulated If one is paying attention, there's a lot of keys in there, a lot of different keys. And we're going to get into those and how to read this document. Um, As we know, um, after the signing of this document, um, you know, you have the uh, speech in Cairo. You have the triangulation between, um, with Michelle, um, First Lady Michelle uh, Obama, um, going to Alhambra um, and the um, uh, president speaking in Cairo and speaking about the debt that this country owes not only to um, Muslims but also to Islam itself and the debt that all European nations to Islam. So there was a lot of signals sent out if one is paying attention um, to that. But many, when they're looking at the document, really aren't reading it clearly. And so it's imperative that we understand exactly how to read this document, how it's written, not in what we think it's saying, but actually what it's telling us, because there's such so many keys in there that if you're not paying attention, you'll read through it and you'll miss the whole point. Now, the reason that this document is even uh, of great, uh, anything of in great importance or importance at all, of course, is going to deal with Article 6 of the Constitution. Article 6 is this, what you're going to call the Supremacy Clause. And I just want to tell you the Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land. And judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. So 
understand that within that one clause of the Constitution, it's telling you that the different treaties and um, things of that nature that are signed under the authority of the United States become the supreme law of the land, along with the Constitution. But the other part that you have to um, pay attention to is the last sentence, where it tells you that anything contrary, any law contrary in any state does not stand. So that when these treaties and when these things are signed, anything contrary to them does not stand. So it does not stand against even these treaties and declarations coming from the United Nations. And, of course, getting into... um, the issue of the United Nations and uh, what it actually is is a subject for another time. But understanding with this that these things become supreme. Now, if you don't have a physical copy of the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, please go ahead and just Google Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, PDF. And you'll see one that comes up at www.un.org, www.un.org. And that is the one that um, I would advise you to actually download and print so that you have a physical copy. Now, the first thing that you're going to see when you download that one, of course, is the uh, is the cover page, and that's blue, and that's how you'll know you have the right one. Um, and we'll dive into it. It tells you in the beginning that the resolution adopted by the General Assembly, uh, 61-295, United Nations on the Rights of Indigenous People, tells you the General Assembly taking note of the recommendation of the Human Rights Council can contain in its resolution 1-2 of 29, June 2006, by which the Council adopted the text of the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, recalling its resolution 61-178 of 20, 20th of December 2006 by which it decided to defer consideration and consideration of and action on the declaration to allow time for further consultations thereon and also to decide to conclude its consideration before the end of the 61st session of the General Assembly, adopts the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples as contained in the annex to the the present uh, resolution, 107th, meeting, September the 13th, 2007. What you want to also, when you do the history of this document, you're going to find out that every Asiatic and Moorish nation signed the document, all of them. The only holdouts were 
the European nations. So when this was adopted, you had, or my, if I remember correctly, seven, the seven European nations were the ones who refused to sign it. So when this was actually, as you can see, still on the table, it was on the table first under what would be considered the Bush administration. And that administration, along with the other European colonies, did not want to sign it. They refused to sign it because, of course, the impact that it would have on them is paramount. So Obama, when he signs it, is actually bringing the first European colony into the fold. Now, if you skip down to page two of the document, it's going to say, affirming also that all peoples contribute to the diversity and richness of civilization and cultures which constitute the common heritage of humankind. Affirming further that all doctrines, policies, and practices based on or advocating superiority of people or, in, or individuals on the basis of national origin or racial, religious, ethnic, or cultural differences are racist, scientifically false, legally invalid, morally condemnable, and socially unjust. Reaffirming that indigenous people in the, in the exercise of their rights to be free from discrimination of any kind. Concerned that indigenous people have suffered from historic injustices as a result of inter of inter alias, their colonization and dispossession of their lands, territories, resources, thus preventing them from exercising, in particular, their right to development uh, in accordance with their own needs and interests. Recognizing the urgent need to respect and promote the inherent rights of indigenous people, which derive from their political, economic, and social structures, from their cultures, spiritual traditions, histories, and philosophies, especially their rights to their lands, territories, and resources. Recognizing also the urgent need to respect and promote the rights of indigenous peoples affirmed in treaties, agreements, and other constructive arrangements with states, welcoming the fact that indigenous peoples are organizing themselves for political, economic, and social cultural enhancement in order to bring to an end all forms of discrimination and oppression wherever they occur, convinced that control by indigenous peoples over development, affirming them, and their lands, territories, and resources will enable them to maintain and strengthen their institutions, cultures, and traditions, and to promote their development in accordance with their aspirations and needs. Recognizing that respect for indigenous knowledge, cultures, and traditional practices contribute to sustainable and equitable development and proper management of the environment, emphasizing the contribution of the Demilitarization of the lands and territories of indigenous peoples to peace, economic, and social progress, 
and development, understanding, and friendly relations among nations and peoples of the world, recognizing in particular the right of indigenous families and communities to retain shared responsibility for the upbringing, training, education, and well-being of their children, consistent with the rights of the child. Considering that the rights affirmed in treaties, agreements, and other constructive arrangements between states and indigenous peoples are, in some situations, matters of international concern, interest, responsibility, and character. Considering also that treaties, agreements, and other constructive arrangements and and relationships they represent are the basis for strengthened partnership between indigenous people and states. Acknowledging that the Charter of the United Nations, the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, and the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, as well as the Vienna Declaration and Program of Action, affirm the fundamental importance of the right of self-determination of all peoples by virtue of which they freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social, cultural development. Bearing in mind, bearing in mind that nothing in this declaration may be used to deny any people their right to self-determination exercised in conformity with international law. Convinced that the recognition of the rights of indigenous peoples in this declaration will enhance harmonious and cooperative relations between the state and indigenous peoples. Based on principles of justice, democracy, respect for human rights, non-discrimination, and good faith, encouraging states to comply with and effectively implement all their obligations as they apply to indigenous peoples under international instruments, in particular those related to human rights in the consultation and cooperation with the people's concerned, emphasizing that the United Nations has an important and two-year role to play in promoting and protecting the rights of indigenous people. Believing that the Declaration is a further important step toward forward for the recommendation, I mean, excuse me, the recognition, promotion, and protection of the rights and freedoms of indigenous peoples in the development of relevant activities of the United Nations system in this field, recognizing and reaffirming that indigenous individuals are entitled without discrimination to all human rights recognized in international law and that indigenous peoples possess collective rights which are indispensable for their existence, well-being, and integral development as peoples, recognizing that the situation of indigenous peoples varies from region to region and from country to country, and that the significance of national and regional particularities and various historical and cultural backgrounds should be taken into consideration. Solomon proclaims the following United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People as a standard of achievement to be pursued in a spirit of partnership and mutual respect. Now, you will see there all the different things and the different pursuits that they're speaking of in the way of setting up more practical, 
relationships with those who are considered to be indigenous. So what we also need to do is we need to garner an understanding of what indigenous means. So that specifically, it can be garnered and understand who is being spoken to. So indigenous within the Oxford Dictionary is from 1646, late Latin, indigenous, from indigenous, Plus us, born or produced naturally in a land or region, native to the soil, region, etc. Transference and figuratively inborn, innate, 1864. Native vernacular. So we want to also, within the definition, point to the part where it tells you that it is produced naturally in a land or native to the soil. Now that's going to go into, of course, being a cotonist. And we know that being aboriginal, aboriginal trumps being indigenous. And so I'm going to read Aboriginal so that we understand clearly the difference. Whenever you're speaking, whatever you're dealing with, um, how you, you line these things up. Aboriginal is the bottom line, is the most respected of all of them. When you turn to this in the dictionary. Okay. Aboriginal. See Aborigine. First. Original. Indigenous. Primitive. Native. As the Aboriginal tribes of America. Aboriginal turf of or pertaining to Aborigines as Aboriginal language. So as you can see in Aboriginal, it refers to being indigenous, but Aboriginal, which would be the more proper term to use when you're dealing with um, your de facto organizations and any and all those who will want to um, say they're native. Aboriginal means first. It means first, the first, and that is who we are. And within the term Aboriginal, you have the term, within the definition of the term Aboriginal, you have the term indigenous. So let's look at a couple of the Go through these articles as much as we can. And I want everyone to make sure to pay close attention to how everything on here is framed. 
because within the framing, they're giving you the keys to the work that needs to be done. In a lot of the different territories, everyone's trying to reinvent the wheel. And it's completely not necessary. But everyone right now is trying to reinvent the wheel. And these things, everything... Everything that we actually need to do is already laid out. What we have to start doing is knowing how to use these different laws, treaties, declarations to our advantage. Now, in Article 1, it says, Indigenous peoples have a right to the full enjoyment as a collective or as individuals of all human rights and fundamental freedoms as recognized in the Charter of the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and International Human Rights Law. Now, you will clearly be able to see how these things are outlined. It says indigenous peoples. Pay attention to that, to the fact that it's using peoples. It's plural. And then it goes down in the sentence, or in the, in, in the article, and tells you that this freedom that they're speaking of here is one that it can be exercised as a collective or as individuals. And it says fundamental freedoms have full enjoyment of all human rights and fundamental freedoms as recognized. So you can have those freedoms and their recognized freedoms as individuals or as a collective. And again, it's speaking of the people being plural. Article 2, indigenous peoples and individuals are free and equal to all other peoples and individuals have the right to be free from any kind of discrimination in the exercise of their rights, in particular that based on their indigenous origin or identity. You see here, it speaks, it breaks it down from dealing with the collective and dealing with the individual in Article 2. Again, it speaks of the collective first and then the individual, letting you know that this is something that can go either way, that a collective that's embodied in the collective but also embodied in the individual. And it says that the, the collective body or the individual are free and equal to all other peoples and individuals and have the right to be free from any kind of discrimination in the exercise of their rights, in particular that based on their indigenous origin or identity. So as an individual who is an aboriginal indigenous attachment to the land, you have the right to be free from any discrimination that is dealing with the exercise of your rights, and especially those based on your indigenous origin or identity. Now, in Article 3, it says indigenous peoples have the right to self-determination. By virtue of that right, they freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic and 
and social and cultural development. Now, in Article 3, it gave you a key here. It says indigenous peoples have the right to self-determination. People, indigenous peoples, that's plural. So now they're showing you that this is a collective, that this is a collective issue. This is not an individual issue. This is about the collective because nations are an aggregation of people. And your self-determination is based in your tribe, your clan, your nation. Individually, you have to be tied back to that. So there is no individual self-determination recognized on this planet that is within or that is protected by the laws of the planet that way or the laws that reside within the nations of the planet. So an individual can't just decide that they're going to make up a new um, race or ethnicity an aggregation of people come together and have the right to self-determination. And have the right to determine their political status and freely pursue economic, social, and cultural development. Now, in understanding Article 3, it's telling us as Moors some of the work that needs to be done and some of the things that we, how we need to be attacking things. You have the right to freely determine political status and freely pursue economic and social and cultural development. But that's as a collective. So everybody can't be willy-nilly out here trying to do everything on their own because there has to be a collective in order to get the recognition and, and the respect and fall up under these things. Now, Article 4, indigenous peoples, in exercising their right to self-determination, have the right to autonomy or self-government in matters relating to their interests their internal and local affairs, as well as ways and means for financing their autonomous functions. Again, this is a collective. A collective. So the the collective of indigenous peoples in exercising their right to self-determination have the right to autonomy and self-government. An individual does not have that right. An individual does not have that right. There's nothing recognized for self-government with an individual. 
indigenous peoples and exercising their, plural, indigenous peoples, plural, right to self-determination, have the right to autonomy or self-government in matters relating to their internal, internal, which means there has to be an organization. There has to be a political body. There has to be a political body. There has to be a political body and their local affairs. Local affairs would mean that Moors are collective in an area to have local affairs. So Moors must be congregating and domiciling in areas together to have local affairs, as well as ways and means for financing their autonomous functions. So you have the right, we have the right to determine how to raise finances for our autonomous functions. As a collective, Article 5, indigenous peoples have the right to maintain and strengthen their distinct political, legal, economic, social, and cultural institutions while retaining their right to participate fully if they choose in the political, economic, social, and cultural life of the state. Again, this is plural. So this is dealing with a dual society, a dual body, an aggregation that has come together to form a clan, a tribe. So you have the right to maintain and strengthen their distinct. So this, this you have the right to have a distinct political, legal, economic, social, and cultural institution, political, legal, economic, social, and cultural have the right to maintain it. You have the right to maintain it while you still have also the right to participate and be heard and have a voice in the colonial affairs of the state. So once the forming of these different jural societies, each one has the right to have a representative of that clan, a part of the state. So that means that that or that that developed so that things cannot be done behind closed doors that would harm that clan. Now, you'll see that if you go back and you study the American, so-called American Revolution or the colonial um, revolution, as it should probably be called, that was one of the issues, taxation without representation. They had no representation in Great Britain. 
which means that the parliament in Great Britain was making laws that affected the different British colonies and territories in a maxim, and that they had no say in that. And that was a big part of the issue that the issues that caused the revolution. So in this, what they're doing is that they're giving those political bodies of Aboriginal people the ability to form autonomous governments but have representation inside of the colonial governments so that nothing can be said that you have not heard in the forming of legal or law that would affect that claim. Article 6. Every indigenous individual has a right to a nationality. (laughs) Pardon me. Every indigenous individual has a right to a nationality. That should be self-explanatory. Every indigenous individual has a right to a nationality. So each individual within that nation has a nationality. Article 6. And you have that right. That right is recognized. Article 7, indigenous individuals have the right to life, physical, mental integrity, liberty, and security of person. So this is now, they've left the collective, and now they're dealing with individual liberties that are recognized. So indigenous individuals have the right to life, physical, and mental integrity. Liberty and security of person. So, in that, they're getting into the fact that each individual's liberty is protected. Now, what is your liberty? So, when we're speaking of... you, You are traveling, and you need to make use of the planes, not only is that covered under your liberty, because that's the right to to pass freely, to travel freely, but but also you have the right to an autonomous government, and it's recognized. So when we're looking at travel, one of the things that we need to be looking at is even taking these documents so that when you have your cards from whether it's the Lord Simple 
or your nationality cards from break seal, that these documents can be taken and shown to show that you, to prove and um, even empower more your stance to having the right to use that card as a means to travel because that's a part of your liberty as an Aboriginal, Indigenous person. And, again, these things are recognized. You have the right of security of person. You have the right to be secure from any harm. Mixed physical and mental integrity. Same same thing. Now, Article 7, Section 2 says, Indigenous peoples, notice it's back to the collective, have the collective right to live in freedom, peace and security as distinct peoples, and shall not be subjected to the act of genocide or any other act of violence, including forcibly removing children of the group to another group. So remember that about seven years ago you had that stuff that went up on up in Utah where they came in to um, those ranches that were occupied by uh, the Mormons, I think it was, and they came in, uh, raided uh, the village there, and took the children, took the children that was there. Now, those people, of course, are not Aboriginal and Indigenous to this land, so this offers no protection. They're not protected. However, when you look at the the forming of different clans, throughout the nation because this is what these things are coming down to. When we really understand what we're going to have to do, um, the whole thought process is going to have to be changed around individuals coming together as a collective in your territory and forming your own distinctive clan or tribe that is underneath the shield or the protection of the overall branch or federation. So even with the Morrison's Temple, you hear them refer to head office, um, or you hear Temple Number 1, that's supposed to represent a distinct body or, or the overall collective. And then each temple or clan falls up under that. And each temple or clan is now a part of the greater body. And that greater body has rules 
And then based on the Quran, each one of those temples has the right to set up their own individual culture and laws. And this is what's literally going to have to be done in the, in the territories with Great Seal, uh, with the more science temples, getting that collective together. It tells you, because it's here, Article two, 7, Section 2, indigenous peoples have the collective right to live in freedom, peace, and security. As distinct peoples, they shall not be subject to the act of genocide or any other act of violence, including forcibly removing children of the group to another group. But that is a collective thing. That's collective. Because once you have a collective, then you can start implementing a culture amongst that collective. And then that culture that's instituted is now protected. Article 8, indigenous peoples and individuals have the right not to be subjected to forced assimilation or destruction of their culture. So that is a collective and individual right. So when they're speaking about forced assimilation or destruction of their culture. So would not wouldn't tell you that you have to have a state identification card or that you have to have um, license plates on your conveyance or that you have to Say the Pledge of Allegiance Or that you have to Pay Taxes Doesn't those things fall under Forced assimilation And destruction of a culture Again we have, you have to know How to enforce this But a lot of this is as a collective And then some things are individual Article 8, Section 2, states shall provide effective mechanisms for prevention of and redress for. States shall provide effective mechanisms for prevention of and redress for any, A, any action which has the aim or effect of depriving them of their integrity as distinct peoples or of their cultural values or ethnic identities. Are you paying attention to them? States shall provide effective mechanisms for prevention of and redress for. I'm going to read the definition of redress for those who are not clear what redress is. All right, let me see here.
redress. Late Middle English, redress, dressing, from redresser to redress. Reparations of. Reparations of. Satisfaction or compensation for a wrong sustained or the loss of the loss resulting from this. Remedy for or relief from some trouble, assistance, aid, help. Correction, amendment, or reformation to something wrong. With a and we'll skip that. Uh, then you have the second definition, late middle English giving you the same epsilon. To set upright again a person or a thing, to raise again to an erect position, to bring back to the right course, to correct or direct a right, to direct or amend one's acts or ways, to put things in order, to arrange, to put right or in good order again, to remend, repair, to reform, amend, to correct, adjust again, to restore a person to happiness or prosperity, to save, deliver from the misery, death, etc., to set a person right by obtaining or office, giving satisfaction or compensation for the wrong or loss sustained, to remedy or remove trouble or distress of any kind, to set right, repair, rectify a wrong injury grievance, to correct, amend, reform, do away with, a bad or faulty state of things now, especially in abuse, late middle English, to repair an action, to atone for. So, Understanding what redress, what redress is. They said the state shall provide effective mechanisms for prevention of and redress for any action which has the aim or effect of depriving them of their integrity as distinct peoples. or their cultural values or ethnic identities. So, when you receive something from the state in all caps, when you receive um, or you you are giving a suit um, for false identity, those things fall up under an action that deprives you from your, for, of your integrity as a distinct peoples. And it says the states shall provide effective mechanisms for prevention of and redress for. So the states shall set that straight. They shall compensate the more. B, any action which has the aim or effect of dispossessing them of their lands, territories, or resources. 
So if your conveyance is told while you are living out your liberties, isn't that any action which has the aim or effect of dispossessing them from their lands, territories, or resources? Your conveyance is your resource. C, any form of forced population transfer which has the aim or effect of violating or undermining any of their rights. So there can be not another trail of tears. D, any form of forced assimilation or integration. E, any form of propaganda designed to promote or incite racial or ethnic discrimination against them. So when the newspapers were putting up there, your your news stations and newspapers were running these articles calling the um, Moors and the Moors Science Temple as a hate group, this falls up under E, any form of propaganda designed to promote or incite racial ethnic discrimination directed against them. When they put up there uh, in a newspaper article that uh, Prophet Noble Drew Ali founded a black group, a black national group, they followed up under propaganda designed to promote or incite racial and ethnic discrimination directed against the Moors. Article 9, indigenous peoples and individuals have the right to belong to an indigenous community or nation in accordance with the traditions and customs of the community or nation concerned. No discrimination of any kind may rise, may arise from the exercise of such a right. So you have the right to form and belong to an indigenous community. Or nation. Nation. In accordance with our own customs. Article 10. Indigenous people shall not be forcibly removed from their lands or territories. No relocation shall take place without the free, prior, and informed consent of the indigenous peoples. Concerned and after agreement on just and fair compensation and where possible with the option to return. Again, there cannot be another trail of tears. Article 11. Indigenous peoples have the right to practice and revitalize their cultural traditions and customs. Indigenous peoples have the right to practice and revitalize their cultural traditions and customs. This includes the right to maintain, protect, and develop the past, present, and future manifestations of their cultures, such as archaeological and historical sites, artifacts, designs, ceremonies, technologies, and visual and performing arts and literature. So now they're telling you that the right to revitalize the cultural traditions and the customs is recognized and protected. 
the right, this includes the right to maintain, protect, and develop the past, present, and future manifestations of their cultures, such as archaeological and historical sites, artifacts, designs, ceremonies, technologies, visual and performance arts literature. Section 2 of Article 11 says, states shall provide redress through effective mechanisms which may include restitution developed in conjunction with indigenous peoples with respect to their cultural, intellectual, religious, and spiritual property taken without their free and free prior and informed consent or in violation of their laws, traditions, and customs. Restitution. So the state should provide redress through effective mechanisms, which may provide restitution. So when we're looking at things that are stolen, intellectual property, religious property, spiritual property, taken without consent or in violation of the laws of the Aboriginal people. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that covers a lot. There's a lot that that covers. A whole lot that that covers. Intellectual property, religious property, spiritual property, taken without free, prior, and informed consent or violation of their laws, traditions, or customs. Think of all the things that have been taken. So the states have to provide provide redress and restitution. Article 12, indigenous peoples have the right to manifest, practice, develop, and teach their spiritual and religious traditions, customs, and ceremonies, the right to maintain, protect, and have access in privacy to their religious and cultural sites, the right to use and control of their ceremonial objects, and the right to the repatriation of their human remains. So the right to practice the aboriginal spiritual systems and to have all those ancestral uh, remains, those those bodies that were removed um, for various different reasons. The indigenous people have a right. We have a right to go back and get those things that is recognized. Again, these things have always been a right, just not necessarily recognized. Article 12, Section 2. States shall seek to enable the access and or repatriation of ceremonial objects and human remains in their possession through fair, transparent, and effective mechanisms developed in conjunction with the indigenous peoples concerned. 
So that just means, again, being able to go back and get the things that have been stolen. Article 13, indigenous peoples have the right to revitalize, use, develop, and transmit to future generations their history, languages, oral traditions, philosophies, writing systems, and literatures, and to designate and retain their own names for for communities, places, and persons. Did you see... Are you paying attention to number 13? Again, they, they gave you another key. Indigenous peoples have the right to revitalize, use, develop, transmit to future generations their histories, languages, oral traditions, philosophies, writing systems, and literatures, and to designate and retain their own names for communities, places, and persons. In order to have a distinct jurisdiction, you will notice that when the colonizers came to this land, they automatically renamed it, automatically renamed the whole place. Because to rename it, and have people accept the new name creates a different jurisdiction. It creates a different jurisdiction. To accept someone renaming your property, renaming your territories, creates a jurisdiction. So when you're doing business with the de facto colonial gangsters, you do not refer to the land by the colonial gangster names. Now, this cannot be something that's done as an individual where you have a bunch of individuals running around one set of, of moors want to call the Delaware area uh, by the ancient um, Menapi uh, attributes or, you know, Turtle Island. One, one set wants to call it Turtle Island. And so they're turning their paperwork Dealing, dealing with suits and things like that, referring to the territory as Turtle Island. And then another set in the same territory are calling it an attribute dealing with a snake. And they're dealing with the, with the same de facto organization. This creates confusion. Creates confusion. It also shows this organization, it also shows that there is no government. It shows that there is no political body. There is no organization. Because you have people who are claiming to be 
the same people, completely unorganized in how they approach. Everything has to be uniform. Anytime the U.S. is dealing with other nations, any of their representatives, anyone from this country who is a citizen of the U.S., anyone, when they travel abroad, they all, everyone is using the quote-unquote names that are referenced as the true name, whether true or false is irrelevant. They are referencing what is considered the true name of this place. And that is how it's known. So there is no confusion. If you go anywhere and you say, um, I'm from the U.S., Everyone knows what you're talking about. If you go to somewhere and you have five people together and three of them say I'm from the U.S. and then two of them say I'm from Duck Island, they're going to look at, where's Duck Island? Oh, oh, that, that's just, uh, they, you know, that's the U.S. They're like, I don't know that that's called Duck Island. It's confusion. So when it's telling you indigenous peoples, that means that there's a collective body of peoples that are coming together to formulate these things. Everything cannot be on an individual basis. There has to be some consistency, some cohesion here. Article 2 of Section 13. States should take effective measures to ensure that this right is protected and also to ensure that indigenous peoples can understand and be understood in political, legal, and administrative proceedings where necessary through a provision of interpretation or by other appropriate means. Again, they're ensuring and recognizing the right toward the indigenous people to be heard in political affairs. But it did not say indigenous individuals. It says indigenous peoples, peoples, plural, organization. Organization. Article 14. Indigenous peoples have the right to establish and control their educational system and institutions providing education in their own languages and in a manner appropriate for their cultural methods of teaching and learning. Self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. Article 2 of that says indigenous individuals, particularly children, have the right to all levels and forms of education of the state without discrimination. 
Article 3, Section 14, Article 3, states shall, in conjunction with the indigenous people, take effective measures in order for indigenous individuals, particularly children, including those living outside their communities, to have access, when possible, to an education of their own culture and provide it in their own language. So they're speaking about and showing you how the educational form is protected and how the children still have the right to education within the state but cannot be in the, the uh, cultural um, the cultural issues that are presented cannot be subjugated, meaning that I had a Moor that called me about a week ago dealing because they are dealing with the uh, immunization shocks for the children going into um, the schools. Well, the rights of indigenous people protect that. And it's the supreme law of the land. So no act, no legislation can supersede this. So by the very nature that you are aboriginal indigenous to the land, And it is against your customs. You cannot be discriminated against or kept out of the school because you don't want to take an immunization shot because your culture is protected. Article 15, indigenous peoples have the right to the dignity and diversity of their cultures, traditions, histories, and aspirations, which shall be appropriately reflecting it in education and public information. Section 2 says, states should take effective measures in consultation or cooperation with the indigenous peoples concerned to combat prejudice and eliminate discrimination and to promote tolerance, understanding, and good relations among indigenous peoples and all other segregation segments of society. So they're just at this point, they're just telling you about making sure that proper information is put out so that their prejudice can be removed. So the states are to provide and help with making sure that proper information is put out so that the people are properly recognized. So when you're seeing things like what was running on CNN, you know, um, and what was running in the newspaper articles, literally they are in violation of the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. Article 16, indigenous peoples have the right to establish their own media in their own language and to have access to all forms of non Indigenous media without any discrimination. 
Section 2 says states should take effective measures to ensure that the state-owned media duly reflect indigenous cultural diversity. States without prejudice to ensuring freedom of expression should encourage privately-owned media to adequately reflect indigenous cultural diversity. Pretty self Have the right to produce your own uh, newspapers, your own media, your own news outlets, all those things, and it's recognized um, as formally protected. Article 17. Indigenous individuals and, and peoples have a right to enjoy fully all rights established under applicable international and domestic labor laws. Section 2, states shall in consultation and cooperation with indigenous peoples, take specific measures to protect indigenous children from economic exploitation and from performing any work that is likely to be hazardous or to interfere with the child's education or to be harmful to the child's health or physical, mental, spiritual, moral, or social development, taking into account their special vulnerability and the importance of education for their empowerment. Section 3 says, indigenous individuals have a right not to be subjected to any discriminatory conditions of labor and inter-India employment or salary. But people, make sure that you peep in Section 2 what it says about the children. That there cannot be any hazards Placed in front of the child that can be harmful to the child's health, physical, mental, spiritual, moral, or social development. That the children cannot be exploited for, for monetary gains or exploited at all. That the salaries must be the same. They must be the same across the board. Article 18. Indigenous peoples have the right to participate in decision-making in matters which would affect their rights through representatives chosen by themselves in accordance with their own procedures, as well as to maintain and develop their own indigenous decision-making institutions. I want to slowly go back. So the, the point of this is not missed. Indigenous peoples, we're again talking plural. We're talking clan. We're talking organization. We're talking general society. Indigenous peoples have the right to participate in decision-making matters in which affect their rights through representatives chosen by themselves. Now, let's stop right there. Representatives chosen by them. What... So that means that Moors cannot be out here all willy-nilly acting as if they are the representative of the whole Moors nation. There must be some sort of organization put together that designates who these spokesmen are. And those spokesmen are then recognized 
by the Aboriginal Moors. Once they're recognized to have authority within the clan of those Moors, they then have the authority to now present matters to the colonial state and be heard. There has to be the organization formed. This is what they keep telling you here. This is what they keep telling you. Throughout this whole declaration, they keep telling you the same thing, that there has to be an aggregation of people that come together and develop their own indigenous decision-making institutions. have the right to maintain and develop their own indigenous decision-making institutions. So, the, so you have the right to come together and get the institution. The institution then has now been re- Respected in making decisions for those people. But it cannot be this willy nilly thing where everybody thinks they are decision makers or the spokesmen for the Moors. There has to be an aggregation of people who come together in these different territories. No matter where you're at, you need to start forming a political body. You need to form a political body no matter where you're at. Set up the proper protocols. and the proper functions of a dual organization, nation, society. They're telling you all through this declaration what needs to be done. Hillary Clinton, in talking to the Black Lives Matter organization, said something to them that went so far over their heads because they have no, they have not shown a capacity to formulate an actual political agenda. And we, of course, we know why. We understand that the the Black Lives Matter is an um, organization that really is not about the um, improvement of Aboriginal people. But that's a discussion for another another time. The fact is is that Hillary Clinton told them what I just said. When they went into this whole spiel about how the the whole U dot F dot is formulated off of slave labor and 
you know, this whole emotional argument, you know, the, the whole nation was built off our backs and it continues to be built off our backs and we're exploited people. This, this whole emotional BS. She then turns and says to them, everything you said is correct. She acknowledges first that what they're saying is true, acknowledges it. She says it's politically correct, it's historically correct, and I, she says, I agree with you. She says, but what you people have to do is come together and get an agenda and then bring us to bring us to you and force us to do it. She says, I do not believe that you change hearts. She says, I, I believe you change laws. You don't change hearts. She told them exactly what this information is saying. You put together a political agenda through a political body. And then you put those measures on the table and you come and be heard. Morris, take your stance among the affairs of men. Take your place among the affairs of men. These are the affairs of men. Article 19, states shall consult and cooperate, states shall consult and cooperate in good faith with the indigenous peoples concerned through their own representative institutions in order to obtain their free, prior, informed consent before adopting and implementing legislative and administrative measures that may affect them. Read that again. Say somebody missed it. States shall consult and cooperate in good faith with the indigenous peoples concerned through their own representative institutions. Okay. There has to be a representative institution. I mean, are we getting it? Are we, are we getting this part yet? There has to be a representative institution for them to communicate through. It can't be all everybody is a spokesman. There's no government on the planet that operates that way. Everybody's not a spokesman. Governments deal with centralized authority all over the world. Everything is centralized. There is a set group of people who speak for the whole. The whole outnumbers that set group of people who speaks to them. They are elected, appointed, nominated, whatever the customary procedures are around the world. And that is who speaks for the nation. And it's telling you here that in order to deal with the states, that there must be a representative institution in place. 
so that the rights of those people can be protected because the states are going to deal with that institution, not with these individuals. An individual who has no no authority cannot go to a state and demand that Moors are treated a certain way. It doesn't work that way. Who are you? Who has assigned you to speak? How do they know that what one Moor is saying is what all the other Moors want? There's no organization. There's no institution. So these are the things that have to happen in these territories. There's over, at this point, let's just say there's over 50,000 at least. Because, I, I mean, I've seen numbers that actually say a million, okay? But let's just say 50,000. There are 50,000, at least 50,000 Moors and Moorish Americans. That's enough to have uh, political bodies all over the country. That's enough. The only excuse at this point is our failure to do the things that are necessary to push this thing forward. That's that's the issue. It's our failure at this point to do what it takes to push these things forward. Article 20. Indigenous peoples have the right to maintain and develop their political, economic, and social systems or institutions to be secure in the enjoyment of their own means of subsistence and development and to engage freely in all their traditional and other economic activities. We can keep going over this all day. They're giving you everything that we need to do to be heard. Indigenous peoples have the right to maintain and develop their political, economic, and social institutions, systems or institutions, to be secure in the enjoyment of their own means of subsistence and development and engage freely in their traditional and other economic activities. Section two of that says indigenous peoples have the indigenous peoples deprived of their means of subsistence and development are entitled to just and fair redress. So let me look up the word subsistence for those who may not um, know what subsistence means. Turn to it here. Subsistence. Late Middle English. Latin, substantia, from substantians, subsistence, subsistence, existence as a substance or entity. Substantial, real, or independent existence. A thing that has substantial or real existence. Continued existence. Continuance. 
the provision of support for animal life, the furnishing of food for vendors, now rare existence in means of 1645. We don't need to keep going now. So they are telling us again that you have the right to maintain and develop political and economic social systems and institutions and be secure in the enjoyment of their own means of subsistence and development. And that if deprived of these means of subsistence and development, you're entitled to fair and just redress. Now, if anyone has any questions or comments, go ahead and type them in if you're in the chat or um, push, and start pushing one. We're coming up on the last uh, 30. Um, other show. Article 21. Indigenous peoples have the right, without discrimination, to improvement of their economic and social conditions, including inter alia in the areas of education, employment, vocational training, and restraining, housing, sanitary. Excuse me, vocational training and and retraining, housing, sanitation, health, and social security. Section two, states shall take effective measures and where appropriate, special measures to ensure continuing improvement of their economic and social conditions. Particular attention shall be paid to the rights and, and special needs of indigenous elders, women, youth, children, and parents with disabilities. So it's saying there that even the states are urged or told, demanded to help with the setting up of these institutions and to the indigenous people have the right without discrimination to pursue improvement in their conditions, in education, employment, even to the point of paying special attention to the elders, the youth, and those with disabilities. So they're saying there that there's a relationship that needs to, has to be, should be developed. Article 22, particular attention shall be paid to the rights and special needs of indigenous elders, women, youth, children, and persons with disabilities in the implementation of this declaration. States 
shall take measures in conjunction with indigenous peoples to ensure that indigenous women and children enjoy the full protection and guarantees against all forms of evidence, all forms of violence and discrimination. We're going to go on down to 23, because that one is dealing with the same, the same thing as 22, that the stakes are to take and pay special attention to these things, especially where it concerns the protection of women and children and those with disabilities. And the implementation of this declaration that they're setting aside that there should be really due care and due course with the Moabites. Article 23, indigenous peoples have the right to determine and develop priorities and strategies for exercising their right to development. In particular, indigenous people have a right to be actively involved in developing and determining health, housing, and other economic and social programs affecting them, and as far as possible, to administer such programs through, through their own institutions. Again, it's telling you there should be institutions set up here, and that we have a right to deal with our own health affairs without discrimination. We have the right to develop and to determine our affairs based on health, housing, and economic and social programs. Twenty-four. Indigenous peoples have the right to their traditional medicine and to maintain their health practices, including the conversation, the conservation of their vital medical plants, medicinal plants, animals, and minerals. Indigenous individuals also have a right to access, without any discrimination, to all social and health services. Section two says, indigenous individuals have an equal right to the enjoyment of the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health. States shall take the necessary steps with a view to achieving progressively the full realization of this right. So you have a right to grow those herbs, that culturally are used for things such as healing, um, things dealing with mental health, any of those things to the medicinal uh, plants, the animals, minerals. You have the right also to have access to the highest forms of medical treatment and the medical standard that's possible. And that's an individual right in Section 2. In Section 1, you'll see that it says individual peoples have their right to traditional medicines. So that's dealing with the group because that's dealing with setting a cultural standard. That's not an individual standard. That's a cultural 
standard for the Klan. And so the tribe would then recognize these different plants, animals, and minerals that are necessary for the maintenance of that community. And once that's recognized from the, on the clan level, then now it's recognized through the excuse me through the colonial aspect. Article 25, indigenous peoples have the right to maintain and strengthen their distinctive spiritual relationship with their traditional own or otherwise occupied and used lands, territories, waters, and coastal seas and other resources, and to uphold their, their responsibilities to future generations in this regard. So you have a right to, to get the land back, is basically what that's saying. But again, it tells you indigenous peoples. And I'm hoping that you're really paying attention to distinctly how they're saying people, peoples, and then how they're saying individuals. Because in some of these things, you have to have an institution. Indigenous peoples have the right to maintain and strengthen their distinctive spiritual relationship with their traditionally owned or otherwise occupied and used lands, territories, waters, and coastal areas, and other resources, and to uphold their responsibilities to future generations in this regard. So the land will not and is not given back to individuals. is given back to the clan. Through the representatives that they have. And with those representatives at that point, then they have the power because they're in leadership within that clan to disseminate the lands and the territories as they should go throughout the whole clan. But it's not given back to an individual. Article 26, indigenous peoples have a right to their lands, territories, and resources which they have traditionally owned, occupied, or otherwise used or acquired, section 2. Indigenous people have a right to own, use, develop, and control the lands, territories, and resources that they possess by person of traditional ownership or other traditional occupation or use as well as to occupation or use as well as those which they have otherwise acquired. Section 3 says states shall give legal recognition and protection to these lands, territories, and resources. Such recognition shall be conducted with due respect to the customs, traditions, and land tenure system of the indigenous peoples concerned. I mean, this is simply just speaking about the fact that um, we have a right to go give back some of the lands. Just that simple. 
we have a right we have a right to go get back some of the land and that the state should take special recognition for protection of these lands and territories. And that they the states are demanded to respect the customs of that particular clan or nation. Article 27, states should establish and implement in conjunction with indigenous people's concern a fair, independent, impartial, open, and transparent process, giving due recognition to indigenous people's laws, traditions, customs, and land tenure systems, to recognize and to adjudicate the rights of indigenous people pertaining to their lands, territories, and resources, including those which were traditionally owned or otherwise occupied, or use. Indigenous people should have a right to participate in this process. So again, there has to be a way, systematic way, developed to decide which land to go back to your addition, the Aboriginal people. And then given the states the right to figure out which lands go back. And so they're also saying that within the process of deciding which lands go back to the Aboriginal, Indigenous, Hattachinous people, that those people themselves have a right to participate in this process. Article 28. Indigenous peoples have a right to redress by means that can include restitution or when this is not possible, just and fair equitable compensation for the lands, territories, and resources which they have traditionally owned or otherwise occupied or used and which have been confiscated, taken, occupied, used, or damaged without their free, prior, and informed consent. Section 2 says, unless otherwise freely agreed upon by the people's concern, compensation shall be shall take the form of lands, territories, and resources equal in quantity, size, and legal status, or of monetary compensation or other appropriate redress. So, for the war acts that are taking place, they're simply saying that the Aboriginal people have a right to be compensated for that, and that the compensation can come in different forms. It can be lands or things of monetary value. It can be resources. So, but it's the indigenous peoples. Again, it's speaking about organizations. Clearly speaking about organization.
and we're not going to get through all 40, um, was it 41, 46, 46 of these. But when you're reading them, okay, clearly one of the things that we have to really get into understanding is that we as Aboriginal people have to start creating in these different territories the institutions that have the ability to have a collect that to, to elect people to speak for the collective. If you're in any territory where there's other moors, you should automatically be working together automatically be working together to set up a juristic society, to set up a clan. You should know the mode of government of your ancient foremothers and forefathers. You should know that. You should know what the... um, the Muslim titles of nobility are and what they stand for. You should know what the Muslim titles for government are. Because upon questioning, this is how you will be determined to be standing on your square, standing for with your ancient foremothers and forefathers or perpetrating a fraud. So we have to get to a point in all of these territories where it's no longer a thing where individuals are just writing writs and sending writs as an individual. If you do not have enough moors in your territory. If you have a couple, start a study group. Everything does not have to be be done haphazardly. Nothing should be done haphazardly in the first place. And secondly, it may take you a year to get 20 people. It may. It may even take a little longer than that to find 20 good people. But once you can get 10, you can get 20. And once you can get 20, you can get 60. And you put together your Juro Society. There was a show um, that came on, I I forgot the uh, channel, this is back when I used to actually have a TV. It's been a few years. Um, but the show was about uh, the gypsies, so-called gypsies. And in the show, the so-called gypsies lived domiciled in a particular area in New York. And within that area that they were domiciled in, they had set up 
a court system where all matters were handled within that court system. And so any because they held their domestic titles, i.e. their family names, in such high esteem and high standard, whatever the court, the the rural society, those um, uh, patriarchs in power that they had, whatever they adjudicated, and whatever decision they came on, came into during that process, was highly respected. Because it dealt with the nobility of your domus. And because your domus, your domus attribute was considered so important that they did not ever want to make their ancestors look bad, their lineage. They had literally laws set up that would determine how far um, away from each other they had to be when conducting business, if they had similar business. So one of the things that the so-called gypsies are known for in New York is the palm reading. And so you had to be a certain, if you had a palm reading uh, business and someone else had one, it was against their law for you to set up um, I think it's on the same block or you have to be like six blocks away or something like that. It was against the law. And they had one show where someone did it anyway and was trying to, you know, be a renegade within the uh, the territory. So the one gypsy takes the other gypsy to the court. They meet at night inside of a um, of a building. They sit everybody down. They go over what's the issue. They tell the individual who came after, the second individual who was out of order, they tell him he has um, 30 days to move his business. They also find him um, X amount of notes. And the individual, although already out of order, because now it became a thing dealing with the courts, listen, moved his business, paid his fine. They never called an outside entity, and they lived domiciled in close confines with each other. The prophet told us to do the same. But we're not listening. We don't we're not listening, hard headed. Everybody wanna do their own thing. Everybody wanna be where they wanna be. Everybody wants the you know, the, the the dream house that they want, you know, behind the gate where you don't have anyone um around you with your same mindset, and then you're complaining about us not having anything. Well, we can't have anything until you stop being hard-headed. 
Your security comes from being around those who have who are like minded with you. And if you want to take over an area, then simply let the Moors know as homes become vacant in certain areas and start working together, even if it means financially assisting to help people get inside these homes to start building that Moors community. All in lieu of in lieu of while you're going to petitioning to get these lands back so that you can also build your own community. So there's several steps that can be taken. So what we're going to have to do is really unplug from this system and stop feeling like you have to be a part of it. Because if you have to be a part of it, like the like the prophet said, if you think that um, you can better your condition, um, go back to the state that he found you. Turn in your, your nationality cards. Go back to the state in which you were found. If you can't simply follow follow orders, if you can't do things in a, in a way and really develop into having the, the mindset of the ancient foremothers and forefathers, turn in your nationality card. Stop perpetrating the fraud. Just stop. If you're not willing to go and domicile and, and where other moors are so that we can start building, then why are you calling yourself a moron? I don't get it. Why are you calling yourself that if you're not willing to do the things that it takes to actually help uplift all of humanity? Everything is laid out on the table. Every single thing is laid out on the table. You can print out the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, keep it in your glove compartment. Anytime you get uh, impeded, you should be able to point to where it says that on the Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People from the United Nations, point to where they're in violation. And once you can do that, then you'll see that as you exercise these things, it's a lot easier. But you have to start building these these dual juristic societies in each one of the territories. And then we need to get into signing treaties with each other so that we start to form a collective head all around. So this brings us to the end. If anyone is in these territories and, and you're looking to get the information back to your territory, bring the information to your territory. Um, you can always contact me. You know, I do and am willing to travel to the different territories to help. We can get into uh, what it takes to make that happen. Just simply email me at Northgate, North, like North, South, East, and West, Gate, like Fence, Gate, Bay, B-E-Y, of course, at gmail.com, Bay at gmail. Let me know what you're attempting to do, and then we can figure out um, how to make it happen in these different territories because you have a lot of Moors who are in these territories, and they're not with a lot of other people. So with that, I say I'll see you next next Monday. Uh, peace and love.